Hey, I'm Spencer. I am recording this week uh, by myself, actually in Chicago. I had recorded this episode a little bit earlier, so I'm going to be going over a couple of things and actually took out notes from an earlier recording of this um, because uh, it, it turned out that the original copy of this got kind of messed up. Um, so I am going to be recording this actually in Chicago uh, right before Blake is getting married uh, later on today. Um, so I'm going to be doing a solo episode where I'm going to be covering Naruto the movie Legend of Stone of Galil, um, or I'm not 100% sure if that's pronounced correctly, but whatever. Um, anyways, uh, so I, if you're interested in that, feel free to stick around. I know we have a couple, quite a few people that listen to the Naruto episode, so you might be interested in this. And if you're wondering where this lies in uh, the anime genre of Naruto and uh, these kind of movies, you can stick around, and uh, I'll see you in a sec. Hey everybody, um, so if you've stuck around, uh, <laughs> uh, it is just me again. Uh, I am currently sitting in a room randomly by myself uh, in Chicago, staring out at Lake Michigan, which is pretty dope. Um, but uh, while I was on uh, uh, my way up to uh, Chicago, I recorded an episode by myself um, and then tried to upload it. It ended up getting corrupted, um, but I, I decided that I wanted to cover something that was kind of prescient on my mind because I know uh, a lot of people talk about uh, Naruto and how much they like Naruto as a show, um, but a lot of times I don't hear people talking about like the random movies that are made of Naruto, and there are a lot of them that are made, um, and some of them are on Netflix right now, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so I decided to watch one that I had never seen before and um, when I mentioned it to somebody before they were like oh I didn't even know that that was a thing it's a really strange story from the Naruto timeline that has um, not a complete connection to any of the characters of the show. Um, it's kind of like one of those, uh, take it as like a side quest from an RPG where it doesn't really affect any characters in the main line of the show except for, for one random moment at the very end, and I will talk about that. Um, but this is this is one of those kind of side quest movies. Um, so the the movie, again, is Naruto the movie Legend of Galil. It is the second of the Naruto movies, I believe. Um, just looking at uh, who worked on it, uh, originally it was uh, written by uh, uh, Hiratsugu uh, Kawasaki and Yuka Miyari or Miata, sorry. Um, and it's got uh, a lot of the uh, original cast, like all of the original cast inside of it. And then um, a bunch of the voice actors that are in this are, uh, cover other characters inside the Naruto show. So if you're interested in that, um, there's quite a few characters that are going to be introduced inside of this in a true like side story narrative structure that are never going to be seen again inside of the anime, even though it appeared from this that they had like a very good connection um, until like kind of they they do like a little bit of like a, a deus ex machina moment at the very end, which is like the machine that comes and ends the play. Um, but instead, it's it ends up being a boat that sails away 
away a main character from this so we never see him again um and it the way that it was talking about it was just like he was going across the sea to another land and i had a moment where i was like oh it's like lord of the rings like when they die they go on a ship and they go away um so he's kind of you know bilbo bagginsing him away uh at the very end but anyway that getting ahead of myself um so what happens instead of this movie, um, first and foremost, there is a, a random attack of these people that are going to be on uh, Sandy Beach. Um, they are um, uh, relaxing, it looks like, and kind of like set up a pyre so that they could stay for the night uh, when they got attacked by these uh, like muscle-bound marauder-looking things that have like gro- glowing red eyes and big maces that they carry around. Um, they they are getting completely destroyed when a group of ninjas show up from the um, the village hidden in the sand. Um, they're going to start taking out these like uh, muscle car marauders, and uh, they they do a kind of a good job until they notice that they're just kind of getting up from these attacks, um, and so. And instead of uh, continuing to fight uh, and keep up with them where it seems like they had them bested before, um, they are completely, completely bailed out by the other San Shinobi that show up. So it's going to be uh, Gara and his brother um, are going to be the, the main two um, that are going to show up. Uh, to fight against that. Uh, again, Agar's brother is named Kankuro. Um, he's a puppet ninjutsu user. Um, so he fights with like the, these puppets that like clamp down over things and then like blades come out and stab who's ever inside. Um, and then Gara is going to be, um, uh, he's the, uh, oh man, he's the, the, uh, the beast holder of the village hidden in the sand. Um, he has a giant monster sealed inside of him and he has the sand powers. Um, but I don't know if the sand powers are because of that. I, I think he was, it was his original jutsu, but everything, you know, got cranked to 11 when he got a sand monster put inside of him at birth. Um, whatever. Um, so these, uh, people are going to be attacked and they are going to come back on this. And then, uh, near the very end of it, uh, the, the couple of the marauders that are left over are going to jump back into the ocean and start to move away. Um, a couple of people are going to chase after them from the San Shinobi. Um, they are going to be killed and then it opens up, uh, into the night and they shoot like these balls of light kind of like flares um that light up and it's a gigantic ship that is in the distance that's been shooting out these marauding monster things and uh it starts to fire on gara and then they cut away from the best part of the fight um and uh we cut to naruto and shikamaru and uh sakura um chasing after a ferret inside of the woods in true naruto fashion uh, they have just been given the most basic of basic tasks to do um if you remember at the very start of the show one of the first things that they are tasked to do when they start getting ninja missions is to go catch a cat um so it's you know it's it's kind of like hearkening back to that a little bit um they end up catching the ferret and they uh take it over to this area where they're expecting a entire village to be but it turns out uh that this village 
um, is nowhere to be seen and there's there's no people out and they think this is kind of weird. Um, and then they're ambushed by these same marauders that we saw on the beach, as well as this, uh, he's like a knight almost looking guy. He has uh, he has like a, a face mask and everything and the helmet. Um, he also has a sword that extends at one point and then never again in the movie, which is weird, I think, um, that they only used it one time. He also uses this really badass technique, which is like, um, it's like a, like a lightning mist that comes out of the end of the sword that goes around and knocks out all the shadow clones that Naruto always makes. Um, and uh, they end up uh, meeting a moment where they like slam against each other and knock each other out when Naruto uses a Rasengan on him and he uses the same technique with the sword to knock him back. Um, they both pass out and wake up in the party of this caravan. Meanwhile, uh, Shikamaru and uh, Sakura are going around and looking for uh, Naruto because they were able to take out the rest of these marauders, but while they were doing that, um, they, uh, they ended up losing track of where Naruto was. So inside of this village, um, we are, it's, it's not a village, but more like a, a caravan. Um, they'll remind you of like, uh, like gypsy travelers, um, people that are like nomadic. Um, it, it, it reminded me of that, but it also reminded me of, uh, I had watched this documentary about the, the, the Mongolian traveling people that have like these, these cool huts that they, they travel around with, um, and they, they live in no specific spot. They just live across the plains and they, um, they cultivate their own breed of wild horses, which I thought was really cool. Um, so I thought it was like a, it was a, it was a good play on that. Um, that metaphor for who they are is going to get a bit muddled though. When you find out that they are also going to be mixing, um, like the, the race background of it, um, to go more into like, a uh, South American lore or tradition. Um, but anyways, I'll get to that in a minute. So Naruto is going to wake up. Uh, this guy is going to wake up that we haven't met yet. Um, he is going to end up introducing his himself as Timogen. Um, he is, uh, this kid that, uh, was saved by this random man, uh, who's trying to create a utopia. Um, and the place he was saved from was like his, his village was destroyed by a bunch of marauders. Um, and they burned the village down and there were only two survivors, him and this other kid. Um, uh, it turns out there are more of them later on, but I think that he said that he was the only two survivors at that point, but, uh, uh whatever, I'm, I'm not gonna poke too many holes in it. Uh, because, um, if I haven't said it before, this movie is better than I gave it credit for originally. I think it has two really glaring problems inside of it, but we'll go into those at the very end after I explain, uh, what happened in the rest of the movie. So, um, the next thing that is going to happen is, uh, the ferret that they were looking for is in a, is going to end up kind of being like a, a plot mover in so many ways inside of the story. Um, the first way that it's going to happen is the ferret uh, is said to be shy, but he is very, very attached to Timogen. Um, so, uh, Timogen ends up trying to run off after he saves this boy, um, that falls out of a tree and he says his debt is paid. Um, the ferret is going to chase after him um, and want to stay with him. And that is one of the ways that they're going to be able to um, 
be able to track him later. Um, they end up getting the ferret and bringing the ferret back. Then um, Shikamaru and Sakura are going to get into a fight with a, another um, one of these, uh, these like, uh, I think they're... I think they're just henchmen from the the main villain who we haven't figured out who that is yet. Um, they, it was never explained exactly who they were. They were just like these women elite warriors that could like change their form because they were exposed to this power from the stones of Galil, which are ex explained to be like the source of life at some point, which puts a, puts a metaphor on top of it, um, or not a metaphor, but a, a reference on top of it that kind of reminds you of like the fountain of youth mythology with, or like the city of gold mythology, um, when they were going to, uh, South America to try to find the, like the temple that had, um, you know, the city of gold so they could live forever and drink from the fountain of youth, which is like a, a cool spin on it. And it's also a, a cool way that they, they keep up bringing up that Naruto has like powers and they were, they don't really understand what chakra is inside of the show. And it had me, um, it had this moment when I was watching that and I was like, oh, it's like, it's, it's like uh, these people that are, talking about, you know, using these different jutsus, and it's so ubiquitous inside of, like, the ninja world that you sort of forget that you have insider knowledge that the rest of the people in this world might not have, and because you are so, like, in, in, embedded inside of this ninja world when you're watching the story about ninjas, um, you forget that, you know, these techniques that they talk about are like secret techniques and the reason why you know about them is because you're getting privileged information um as the audience when they are talking about these you know secret things that they talk about inside of the show um and these uh these different like noble lords that are in the show these different like random people that are not ninja they don't know about these connections to these powers that you can use which is why the world isn't full of people that can just you know shoot lightning out of their hands or breathe fire and so it kind of brings back like that um that feeling that i originally watched with naruto and i think um really sold me on Naruto originally was that it reminded me of like Harry Potter, um, where like ninjas, they get to exist in a different realm of people with powers because they have learned to control something and everybody outside of it is either non-magical or they don't know how to use it. And there's even people inside of the world that understand ninja arts and are not like quote unquote magical because they can't use any of their chakra abilities, um, AKA, you know, Rock Lee, um, because all he can use is Taijutsu. He can never use any of the other techniques. Anyways, getting back to the story, um, it's going to start to pick up in speed uh, when they uh, Naruto is going to go and find this, uh, this hull of the ship that's hollowed out from the battle between the Sand Ninja and uh, these random monster people um, that were inhabiting the ship, and um, they look like normal women and they turn into monsters. And uh, I will say one of the things that I like the most about this movie is that it was obvious 
is that um, the creators of the Naruto franchise, if they have money, they are not afraid to dump it into badass animation um, because the fight sequence that is inside of the ship is probably the best fight sequence inside of the entire movie, which is a little bit of a bummer because usually you want it to be like the, you know, the maximum fight at the very end um, where like the big bad is placed up against the big good. Um, but instead it is this crazy fight between uh, Kinkoro and Gara and Naruto, but Naruto to like a, a lesser extent. The fight between Gara and the one of the the women who has the ability to like shoot lightning out of her hands um, and use lightning abilities is fantastic. There is also this moment where they are fighting and they go outside and she's like, "You can't stop me with your lightning uh, because I have my lightning powers." And Gara is like, "Oh, that makes sense." And so he just like sticks a whole bunch of lightning rods into the ground around her so that her powers will be grounded, and then he just crushes her into the ground. It is awesome and it's also one of those things it's just like you know gara is way more powerful than most of the other people inside of the show um kinkro is going to uh be able to fight against his person uh to a point uh then the person is going to be able to escape with like a, a smoke bomb technique um and ends with kinkro uh hanging off the side of the ship with naruto holding on to him um and then they are going to go to try to figure out um, where, uh, you know, what is happening by going back to this caravan. When they go back to the caravan, it uh, it turns out they have been completely attacked, mostly destroyed. And the reason why they mostly destroyed them was it turns out that these people are uh, the ancestors, uh, the their ancestors were these people that were hiding this mystical power of this material called Galel. It's like, uh, it, imagine uh, the closest thing I can think to it is um, uh, like a Philosopher's Stone from uh, Full Metal Alchemist, um, where you get like a absurd amounts of power just out of nowhere. Um, it seems to be like, you know, it's just a, it's just like a, a chakra factory. Um, and when you use it, you don't actually have to really know what you're doing. You can just emit power from it. Um, and uh, so we are going to find out that uh, if you are from this clan of these people, you can ho hold the Galel Stones. So they figured out that uh, Temujin uh, must be from this clan because he could fuse with the Galel Stone. And then we get to the part that I don't like the most about it, which is they... they do this whole uh, storytelling mythology of these uh, these like old generations of um, uh, nomadic people or before they were nomadic and they had this big giant empire and the way they do it is kind of uh, it's it's like uh, old hieroglyphics um, um, well not hieroglyphics it's just like old uh, picture telling. And I don't know if it's hieroglyphics, if it, they don't have like the, the symbols um, on uh, the, the pyramids or whatever, but it's more like uh, like the Incan storytelling where they have like um, uh, like pictures of like the gods and the people and the way that they're drawn is like um, almost cartoonish. Um, and, uh, it tells the story about how, like, they had this mineral, it's called Galel, the people that, um, had it became very powerful, the people that didn't have it wanted the power, and it turned into a power struggle, so much so that they had to abandon their ancestral home and leave, uh, the Galel sealed in the ground and never talk about it again, or it would, like, destroy the world.
obviously, um, because this is an anime or a cartoon. That's usually how these things go. Whatever. Anyways, um, the uh, the uh, Temujin, who has been um, like wrapped up by this point because he came back to get more information and got caught by Shikamaru's uh, shadow technique, he is tied up, and uh, when he finds out that uh, the old man that's there knows more than he should. He ends up breaking out of his bonds as if they were nothing, going and grabbing the old man and then running away. This is when they use the ferret to track um, where Temujin is going because the ferret has a scent and will chase after him. Um, they end up going to this gigantic temple that they find in the ground um, because that's where the old man leads him to. Um, and this is where the Galil mine is going to be. Um, they go down into it. There is a, a couple of fights that happen. They're not super interesting. Um, the only part that I think is is really cool in the fights, well, the first one is real dumb. Um, it is uh, between Sakura and uh, the... Um, the one of the girls that can turn into like a wolf um, and when she does she can use like a sound technique that will make things like break in front of her um, she randomly finds a gigantic set of like stone wind chimes um, and catches her inside of them and it crushes her it doesn't make any sense why these these giant wind chimes will be there but whatever I guess it's just inside of the storytelling and I just have to deal with it Anyways, um, the next fight is actually awesome. So Shikamaru is fighting against this girl that can turn into like a bat woman. Um, not to be confused with the bat woman from, um, or I guess it's bat girl, um, from that terrible movie, Batman and Robin. Um, but I digress. <laughs> so, um, when he is, uh, when Shikamaru is fighting against the uh, the Batwoman, she's flying around and in in uh, keeping with trying to catch her, um, he notices in the background that Kankaro has showed up. Um, and because Kankaro has showed up, he starts to uh, get her to the center of this area by throwing out these uh, kunai. And at the end of it, he tries string. And on the string, he ties bomb tags. And um, he shows her that these are bomb tags by throwing like a little ball bearing thing into one of them. And it explodes. And she's like, it's fine. If I just stay in this area, I should be fine. Um and then, because she's standing in that area, um, and she's trying to avoid his attacks, she doesn't realize that Kankaro is sneaking up on her, catches her in his puppet, and rips her into, like, shreds. Um, it's a really cool moment. It also reminds me of why I love Kankaro so much as a character. He's just a badass puppet user. Um, but anyways, um, so after that fight happens, uh, there is... Uh, we, we find out that uh, Temujin's... Uh, you know, the one he's been serving, his master is actually the person that has been trying to um, get to the Galil so he could stop all wars. But uh, he reveals so, so fast, it's almost like a Bond villain moment where he like turns completely on Tamajin and you realize that Tamajin actually got tricked by him. He was one of the marauders who came to this town so that he could find an ancestor so that he could get to the Galil. And then he turns himself into a weird little monster thing um, and ends up like ripping out the stone from uh, from Tamajin's chest. It's, it's kind of like a horrific moment. Um, and then there's like this great battle back and forth between uh, uh, Naruto and uh, the 
uh, his master, um, it it comes down to a a moment where he hits him with a Rasengan, and when he hits him with a Rasengan, he looks like he's completely won, but then his master gets up and he like. Oh man, it's like it's really trippy because uh he is his body is like twisted and contorted and completely broken. Um but because he has this glowstone that's attached to his hand, he is able to like regenerate himself. So you see him like snap his body back in the right direction and everything. Um so that's cool. Uh, the Temujin ends up getting a piece of the Galil, being able to fight a little bit, and Naruto and him team up to end up defeating his master. Um, it's a it's a cool, satisfying moment that is not nearly as cool as the fight that was earlier between Gara and Kinkaro and the other two girls, but it's fine. Um, they end the movie by destroying the Galil mine by opening up like this giant portal in the ground that's going to suck all of it up. Naruto ends up saving Tamajin, who has been, um, uh, down there to sacrifice his life in order to do this. He has like a summoning stone that they left for him. Um, and on the summoning stone, if he like touches the center of it, it'll activate this giant gravity thing. It's like a black hole. Um, and, uh, it ends up getting like sucked up into the ground and then they kind of live happily ever after at the end of it. Um, Tamjin will get on a big boat and ride off into the distant sunset while they play music underneath it and the credits roll. So that's the movie. Um, I will say as far as Naruto movies go, um, it is not the highest up there. Um, just because usually Naruto movies will give you like three or four, like really, really badass, well animated fights that even if they don't move the story, they're really good. Um, I would probably give it like a six, uh, it's like a six out of 10, um, because at least it's all right. Um, the other one that I would say about it, the other thing I would say about it is that there is a weird moment at the very end where Naruto is, like, sacrificed himself trying to save Tamajin, and it gets brought to life by, like, the Galil Stone. Um, it, it, like, heals his wounds as it's escaping. Um, and there's, like, this beautiful animation where it's just, like, Naruto and Sasuke, like, passing in this blank white canvas of a background. Um, it It's just, like, a beautiful moment that makes you, like wonder like what it means inside of the inside of this movie because if you hadn't been watching anything but this movie you wouldn't really understand what was going on and you really wouldn't understand why they showed this character they has never shown inside of the movie for this brief moment like 95% of the way into the movie like almost at the very end of the movie is when this happens and it's it's just like a random cutback moment, and I don't understand why it's there, but it's it's still cool looking, so whatever. So, uh, my other thoughts about the movie. Um, I do like that they play around with these people that don't understand Chakra. I think that's really cool. Um, it also gives you kind of like a, a, a show into a part of the world that you don't usually see, because you're usually just seeing these ninja. It also... Uh, shows you how uh, power can be used inside of this world for kind of evil purposes. And they have like this, this 
you know, this mechanized side versus these people that are really attached to the world around them. Um, so it gives like that cool juxtaposition between those two kind of people. Um, I will say though, that with Naruto movies in general, I, I tend to, uh, want them to be, uh, I tend to want them to be something that tells a part of the story you wouldn't normally get to see. So there's a couple of the other movies that explain like, you know, the background of a character or like where this yeah decided from and like, or like where, um, you know, uh, there's, there's an episode that talks about, uh, Naruto's dad at one point. And so you get to get like a, a background story onto it. And I like those more just because they give you a, a piece of information that you don't need to know, but it's cool to know. This one gives you none of that. Instead, it tells you a story that nobody it seems to ever want to talk about ever again, even though it is a massively powerful thing that they probably should report to their Hokage. Um, and instead, they're just like content at the very end, and it's just like a, a happy ending movie, movie moment. So take with that what you will. Um, I think, uh, like I said, I, I would still probably give it like a, like a 6 out of 10 just because it's, it's pretty cool and fun to watch. Um, I appreciate probably the most out of it that you have like really good Gara fights, which you don't get to see enough of. Um, and I think that if you're going to watch this, that's what you should be watching it for is just a couple of these scenes. So with that being said, that was uh, Naruto, uh, the legend of the Galil Stone or Stone of Galil. Um, and uh, anyways, we'll see you next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcast from. And hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.